Christy Bilbrey. Right after college, I started my career in the Senate press office and then the White House. For the next seven years, I worked in corporate marketing before starting my own business. As soon as I did, the one thing I realized that none of those experiences taught me was how to market myself. Promoting yourself can mess with your head. Discovering brand storytelling and learning how to put it to work in my messaging saved my business. Once I learned this, I started teaching other business owners how to put it to work in their business as well. I created the Business That Story Built podcast to help strengthen the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others. Audiences crave the human side of businesses. They want to get to know you, follow you, and interact with you outside of the buying experience. This can be intimidating to say the least. If you're ready to take your mindset and your messaging to the next level, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining today. We're continuing in the sales series, and I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest, Amy Franco. Amy is a leading sales strategist for growth-oriented mid-market organizations. She works with a variety of sectors to grow sales results through sales strategy, assessment, and skill development programs. Her book, The Modern Seller, is an Amazon bestseller, and she's also recognized by LinkedIn as a top sales voice. You can learn more at amyfranco.com, and uh, we'll have you can also find her book on Amazon with The Modern Seller. So Amy, thank you so much for joining today. Christy, it's great to be here. I'm so looking forward to our conversation. Yes. Well, I want to jump right in. So um, I noticed that your background, like a lot of the women that I work with, you came from a corporate background before you started your business. You were with IBM Lenovo, so kind of on that tech side. So I was just kind of curious before we really dive into sales for business owners, while you were there in corporate, what do you feel like made the biggest difference in helping your sales career on the corporate end? Yeah, you know, it's um that was such a great time of my professional career um being at those large companies and I would say it's um it was the ability to sell into different types of environments. So I had some customers that were enterprise customers, I had some that were more in the public sector, I had some that were mid-market across a variety of mm-hmm. industries that exposure to all those different industries and um, being able to interact with different types of customers was really a great launch pad for me when I made the pivot into entrepreneurship and being um, a business owner. Um, And I would say that also having that background, um, it helped me, especially when I was working with larger customers Mm-hmm. or mid-markets, it helped me to be more, I guess, empathetic to them because I had spent a lot of time with those customers. So becoming an entrepreneur and then working with them really helped me to to kind of bridge that gap. So lots of different things that I love about it. And it still opens doors today, um, having that experience in my background. Oh, yeah, I definitely imagine that's the case. So when you did shift to having your own business and back in 2007, what do you feel like was the biggest shift that you kind of like mental shift maybe, or it could be anything else, but in my mind of thinking mental shift that you had to make coming from corporate to your own business? I'd say the number one shift I had to make was the idea that I, I wasn't the logo on my business card. 
it's especially working for large organizations or really any organization, like you build up a little bit of an identity working Mm -hmm. in those environments, or at least I did. Like I, I was really proud to work for those companies and I loved having a business card with those logos on it. But when you make that shift, when I made that shift from going to a really big corporate environment to essentially a tiny startup, if you will, um, I was selling myself as much as I was selling the the products and services that I was bringing to market. And it, I also had to shift my thinking about how I make investments in myself. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the company that was going to send me to the conference or the learning experience. I had to make those investments in myself. And so I would say those are probably like the two biggest shifts, the identity shift, and then also just the, the personal investment shift. Yeah. Yep. Definitely can relate to that. Um, You have a book out called The Modern Seller. And what do you feel like has changed that that would require us to make a transition to a modern seller? I guess the best way to start is what is a modern seller and then uh, what has changed? So my, my working definition of a modern seller, so I'll give you the definition that I can just maybe give you a little context about how I arrived at that. Um, but I, my definition of a modern seller is that first and foremost, a modern seller is someone who is a recognized differentiator. You are recognized as someone who makes a difference by your clients and customers in their businesses. You are usually recognized as someone who is uh, well-known and an expert in your industry. So you're someone who is viewed as a differentiator. Um, The other part of being a modern seller is that you are part of the value equation. If you aren't part of the value equation, that is simply, it's simply a transaction or a commodity. You, as part of that equation, you are attached to the value of that product or service. Um, So when the customer is buying your product or service, they're, they're buying you and your expertise as part of that equation. And then the last thing I would say is that a modern seller is someone who is seen by their customers as their, their competitive differentiator. So they hmm. can't imagine not doing business without you. You are a part of their team and you're a part of someone who makes their business better and they don't want to separate from that. Um, that's way different than yeah. being just someone who sells a product or service or someone who's trying to sell something at the best price. You can just tell in the language how different that is, you know, the modern selling um, mindset versus the transactional kind of commoditized mindset of selling. Yeah. You know, I was, I was telling you ahead of time that I recently had Victor Antonio on. And one thing that he kind of touched on was becoming the advocate for your prospect and client. It kind of sounds like that's what you're talking about where you're, you're their partner really, you know, And so it's switching from, I'm trying to sell you to let me help you find the best for you. Kind of, can you go into a little bit more what you mean by, by that? That's a really important shift that a, a modern seller makes. It's, um, it's the idea that it's not my job to simply sell you a product or service and then walk away from that. Now there are certain there are definitely certain customers clients that that is absolutely what they want. That's part of my qualification process though is I want to be have that great partnership 
we are creating something together. It's not just a customer buying something from me and then walking away. There's a mental shift that goes with that too, that says, you know what? I don't have to sell you anything. I don't have to, I may not, you may not be the right fit for me, Mm -hmm. or I may not be the right fit for what it is that you want to accomplish. And there is an inner confidence that Mm. comes with that type of mindset that says, I'm here to guide you to the best set of decisions. And I'm your navigator and your advisor. I'm not here to try to, um, I'm not here to try to sell you something specific. That's very different than someone who says, I'm here to sell to whoever will buy. Right. There's a qualification and a confidence that comes with saying, my job is to help bring you along to the best decision for you. I really like that. I think that just provides so much peace before somebody goes into a conversation that it's not all on their shoulders. They just know, hey, I happen to have expertise and I can guide them through, you know, learn more about where they're at and help guide them through it. I feel like that probably just that shift alone brings so much peace to the process. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a um it's a confidence or an intention that says, um, like before any conversation I have with with a client, and I just I had one with a prospective client this morning where we had kind of talked through, you know, what are some different approaches that we could work together on? And we talked through what those were. And I said, you know, my role is to help lay these out for you. I'll give you my expert opinion based on my experience with other clients that are like you. And we land on the thing that is best for you. Um, It takes a lot of the, um, I don't know what's what the right word is. It's um, it's the idea. I think that a client doesn't want to be sold to, but Mm -hmm. they want the opportunity to make choices. The flip side of being able to have that confidence though, is that you have to have a really good, healthy pipeline. You can't have, you can't have, um, uh, a, a desert of opportunities in your pipeline and expect to be able to show up in that way. So there's a lot of that behind the scenes work and having a good, healthy pipeline of qualified opportunities that gives you as the entrepreneur, the seller, the comfort and the peace and the confidence to be able to act in that way with your clients. Good point. Good point. Um, So what would you say are some of the different elements that may go into being a, you know, a sales. So most of my listeners are women business owners, midlife women business owners. So they're doing a lot of their own selling. They're not necessarily selling for somebody else. It's, you know, them, they're selling themselves kind of like what you were talking about earlier. So I know you've talked about um, outside of this agility. And so whether it's agility or just which elements do you feel like are really important to hone and focus on to become a stronger salesperson? Yeah, that's a great question. And I can relate to anybody who's, who's listening, um, as being a, a woman entrepreneur myself, I am the, I am the, um, I do, I do get some business development, um, support, but I'm the primary seller in the business. So I sell all of my engagements and build my client relationships. And then I also do the delivery as a consultant. So my primary business is sales strategy and sales skill development. Um, So if I were to maybe pick out two or three 
skills that I think are very worthwhile for any uh, anybody who's in that kind of similar type of environment. I would say the first one, and this is kind of a big bucket, but it's it's the idea of um, selling entrepreneurially. Um, a modern seller is entrepreneurial. And this is where, as an entrepreneur, you have to really know your business inside and out. You need to understand what is going to impact your top line, what's going to impact your bottom line. You have to understand your best opportunities. You have to understand your weak spots. You really have to be able to look at your business um, holistically. Um, you make different decisions when you look at your business uh, holistically. So like, for example, um, when I look at my business, um, of course, top line revenue is that that's an important figure, but I'm personally more interested in the bottom line. I want to know what my profitability is going to be, whether it's profitability for a certain client, it's profitability for the year, whatever that looks like. I'm way more interested in that because I can choose my clients differently. Okay. Um, if it's, if I sell a million dollars in consulting business, but it costs me a million and a half to deliver that business, obviously not a good business model. <laughs> so we need to be looking at, I look at profitability. So I would say that entrepreneurial thinking, that's that suite of skill sets is critical so that you could make the right choices about the prospective clients and the current clients that, that you pursue. Um, I would say the second set of skills is um, all around prospecting and having a, a really excellent um, top of the funnel. You have, you know, this is where it's a little bit of a numbers game. You have to have a certain number of conversations with prospective clients and current clients. And the more of those conversations that you have, and if you master master prospecting and master the sales conversation, that's going to help you exponentially have better choices about the clients that you want to be uh, pursuing. And then this, this skill set might be a little bit out of left field, but particularly for um, women entrepreneurs, there, there is benefit to, it, it's more on the marketing side of the house, but how well known is your brand in the marketplace, your personal brand or your company mm -hmm. brand? And are you elevating where you're spending your time? whether it's spending your time networking, whether it's spending your time on your skill development, are you pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and making sure that you're spending time with people who are potential decision makers and executives and stakeholders for, for what it is that you bring to the market? That's good. That's, I think, so key and easy to overlook in the day in, day out barrage of projects and tasks to, totally. to keep that as a focus. Yep. And that, that's something that I've personally worked on. I'd say over the last like three to five years is really challenging myself on, you know, where am I investing my time and where am I investing my dollars as it relates to making sure I'm, I'm with the right level of clients and, and putting myself in the best position to meet the right people. And after doing a little bit of uh, reflection on that, I realized I had to change some of the conferences that I was going to, mm. some of the some of the um the the groups in which I was spending my time. It's really easy for us to just continue on autopilot with that stuff. 
And I really had to challenge myself and I still have to, I look at it every year to say, where am I putting, putting my time and investment dollars and is it in the right places? As we move into 2023 and challenging economy. And so I know a lot of people thinking about sales, it feels a little differently than when we're in a strong economy, things are booming. Is there anything that you would recommend to that end that you're talking about for 2023 about um, how maybe they need to look at things differently with sales, whether that is their top of line, you know, their funnels or just the style of conversation, something about the approach? I I like where you're headed with the style of conversation. So maybe, maybe we can sure. kind of peel back the layers on that for a moment. Um, some people may not agree with, with what I'm about to say, but I'm a big believer in that you cannot allow the economy or a threat of a recession or whatever it is that we're hearing out in the marketplace to get into your head and derail you. I certainly have had conversations with clients and prospective clients who have fears around potential recession or the economy, but I'm having just as many conversations, and this is my own personal philosophy, with CEOs who are very focused on growth. They are very focused on not allowing all of that stuff outside to mm-hmm. derail their path forward. So you have to watch your mental head game. And I personally believe that I can create opportunity in any economy and I can help my clients create those opportunities. So it's, we got to check our own mental head game and make sure that we're not psyching ourselves out because all of that impacts the ability to have the right conversation. So how, where, who are you spending your time with and Mm -hmm. what are you feeding yourself into your brain that, you know, you got to be giving yourself the right messages and that will absolutely be conveyed to your clients and prospective clients. I have a lot of opportunity in my pipeline despite whatever is happening out there, but it's what you believe will ultimately translate into your behaviors and your actions and will impact your pipeline either for the better or, you know, you will, you will hurt your pipeline. Love it. What do you feel like is the biggest mistake people you see people make with sales? Mm, The biggest mistake. Um, if I were to set aside like kind of some of the, the mindset piece for just a moment, I would say these two things are connected. The first is not having a good, a strong outbound plan. Like, okay. so we were talking a little bit before we hit record about the outbound conference, yeah, which is all dedicated to prospecting and pipeline and, and productivity. Not having a really strong, robust prospecting intentional outreach plan, um, waiting for opportunity to come to you. That's one mistake that I see happen over and over again, because it's uncomfortable to go Mm -hmm. out and prospect and do that outreach and build relationships. Connected to that, I would say a second big mistake is lack of structure. Okay. Not having the right structures and tools to help you. So for example, as an entrepreneur, does your company have a CRM? Are you using that CRM? Do you have um, verticals that you prospect into? 
Do you have a sales process that you follow? Do you have the tools and structures in place to help you be more productive and to make the most use of your time? So, so that's a, that's a mistake I see often. And for people who are maybe have newer to having their own business, is there anywhere you would direct them to, whether that's resources that you have or just some tools that you've seen that are great to help develop some of those systems if they are saying no to all of the questions you just Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I need that. I need that. I need that. <laughs> Um, so I'll, I'll share two that I use. Um, so the CRM that I use is it's a web-based CRM called Nimble. Um, it's, it's ideal for small businesses. There's a few others out there too, that are, you know, there's pipe drive. There's a few others out there. It's really just landing on one and really just making sure that, that you're utilizing it. But, um, but I've used Nimble for a number of years. So that that's my CRM. And then I also am a big user of, um, I use sales navigator to help mm-hmm. me do research on clients and prospective clients. I have used it to build, build lists. Um, so, so those are, those are two, two tech tools, um, that and I And that's use. a LinkedIn. If yeah, LinkedIn, yeah. LinkedIn yeah. sales LinkedIn navigator. Premium. Yep. And you know, this is low, this is probably a little more low tech, but, um, I subscribe to a variety of business publications. So I live in the Columbus, Ohio area. I have a local business pub for Columbus. There's one up in Cleveland in the Northeast Ohio area. Every year they send out a book of lists mm-hmm. and I will utilize that book of lists to help identify potential new customers, new clients, um, help identify people that I, that I might want to connect with. So a little bit more, more low tech, but certainly part of my, my sales process. How would you recommend business women switch from playing small when it comes to sales and what they think they can pitch or ask for to either larger contracts, larger clients start to make that some of those changes? Oh, that's uh, Christy. That's a really good question. Um, so maybe I can maybe I can peel that back with just a sure. few a few of my thoughts. That'd um, be great. Yeah, that's a big that that that's a really important um, step to make, um, mm-hmm. especially d- just depending on someone's maturity of their business. Whether you are brand new and you're just starting out, maybe you've been in business for a while and you're kind of looking to get to that next leap, if you will. Um, you probably have a couple of ways that you could look at it. I would say most of us undercharge for our value and for Mm -hmm. what we bring to the table. Part of it is a mindset shift that we need to make. Part of it is again, back to structures. What are the structures that, that we're using? So for example, um, I have a proposal process that I use each and every time, and I will tailor that proposal process to the client's situation, but I present a proposal. And I will walk the client through various options for what it is that, that I believe is going to solve their issue. But I really had to make the shift from, um, I had to make the shift to selling value. It's mm-hmm. being consultative and selling on value versus charging by the hour or charging by the widget or, or whatever it is that, that's, that somebody does. But getting in front of larger clients upstream a little bit so that there is more budget, there is more focus on what it is that you bring to the table is really important. 
but also marrying that with having to raise your fees. And you may start by raising your fees in your next proposal. Mm-hmm. Whatever your fee is, can you raise it by 10% or 25%? Can you stretch that? Um, you have to, you just have to start doing is one of the best pieces of advice I could give because sometimes it takes your belief system a little bit to catch up to what it is that you're doing. <laughs> yes. And if you wait, if you wait until you believe it, you're gonna be waiting a heck of a long time. Yeah. So if you're just looking for that next thing to do, raise your fees in your next proposal. I, I've, I've had a hundred percent survival rate in doing this. <laughs> I may not have always won the business, but I, I survived it. And it was a learning for me to get to a point where, you know, most of my engagements now are, they are, you know, high five figure, six figure engagements, but it took me that time to get there. And I had to push myself each and every time that I, I wrote a proposal. Yeah. Oh, that's so important to, to constantly remind yourself, this is, okay. this is how I'm going to grow. Yep, absolutely. And um, think, and this is something that my like mentors and advisors have shared with me over the years. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big believer in having coaches and advisors looking for somebody who is where you would like to be mm-hmm. and also being willing to invest in yourself um, to, to help you get there. But, but many of the advisors and coaches I've worked with have actually guided me to, um, to, to provide actually fewer deliverables because a lot of times we, we, um, I don't know, how do I say this? We, we can determine our value by the number of deliverables that we're bringing to a client. Um, can you challenge yourself to say, how can I still provide this excellent value but can I provide that excellent value by perhaps doing fewer things? So that's another way to potentially look at how you're bringing value to your clients. Oh, that's really good. And switching gears a little bit, yeah. since I know you do uh, paid speaking and that's where a lot of my clients and audience wants to get into or is dipping their toes into, when it comes to selling yourself and pitching yourself there, do you have any tips for getting started in those waters and, um, what you have found to be most successful in helping you. Yeah. So, so for someone who is maybe a little bit newer to the, the speaking arena, um, it's, um, it's an interesting time, right? Because it's, um, on one hand, there's a lot of opportunity available in the virtual arena still to be yeah. able to speak. And, I, the, the speaking industry in terms of in-person types of events is it's, it's coming back, but I think it still has a little bit of a ways to go to actually get there. But for somebody who's maybe just starting out, it's, um, you want to take a look at what are the topics that you really have a strong lane of expertise in and what audiences would be the most, um, what audiences would be the most advantageous for you? So do you, you want to be in front of people that can ultimately buy your products and services? So is your right. speaking a kind of an, um, an end in itself? Like you are, you, that's your business and you want to be a speaker or is our speaking engagements an avenue for you to do additional work with potential clients? So when you can ferret that out, 
-hmm. that can help you to determine, all right, what am I doing this for primarily marketing purposes or am I doing it because this is my, this is my major revenue stream. But um, I would recommend anybody getting started by um, speaking at associations. That's always an excellent place to begin because there are so many associations out there that can benefit from your expertise. It's, it's finding the match for you. So, so those are, those are a few of my thoughts on the association route to start with. And then Mm -hmm. also determining just for more of a business, like a strategic standpoint, right. Is speaking your end game or is it a means to meet potential clients to partner with them on your other products and services? I think that's a really important distinction to make because I think most people go in saying, I just want both, but you're going to tailor it differently dependent on what, what your goal is. So that's really important to know before you really get started. Yeah. And, and you might make a different choice, like an an association maybe might have a smaller budget, Mm -hmm. but they may be the perfect audience for what it is. They may, if it's an audience of CEOs, I would, I will speak to an audience of CEOs or an audience of sales leaders anytime. I will actually seek out conferences where I know that they will be and um, see if I can speak there or even attend there. Mm-hmm. So once you figure out what your end game is, I do, um, I do fewer speaking engagements than I used to do because a lot of my business these days is strategy and skill development. So um, I do fewer speaking engagements. So I really have to ferret out the ones that I really want to speak at. And sure. what, how can I expand from that point to potentially do strategy or skill development work with those clients? Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense planning that out instead of just saying, oh, here's a shiny thing that would be fun. It's thinking, what exactly do I want to get? What's going to make the most sense? How do I present? Because you're going to speak either your giving your delivering your service there, or you're saying, this is where I want to find the people to work with. So I love that. We've covered a lot of territory today. Is there anything else, any final tip you might want to leave listeners with about becoming a stronger modern seller? You know, I would say if I were to leave, leave somebody with maybe just one or two ideas, um, modern sellers are can blend being both strategic and tactical. It's um, you, you may have a, you may have a strength or a preference for one or the other, but it takes thinking strategically about where you want to be in the next year. And, but then also acting tactically with the right activities to get you there. So look at where you need to create your strategic plan but then also what are the meaningful tactical activities that will help bring your strategic plan to life? Um, so that would be my, my first piece of advice. And then I would say, secondly, um, I alluded to it before, but I think it's always worth repeating, which is um, always bet on yourself. Mm. Don't be fearful of investing in yourself. Um, just listening to this podcast is a great example of investing in yourself. And there, there are different levels of investment, but push yourself to go to the conference that you wouldn't normally go to or um, invest in the coach that you may not have invested in in the past because you know that they can get you to the next place. Um, that That's always an awesome investment to invest in yourself and to always bet on yourself. Yes. Excellent advice. Thank you so much, Amy. Really enjoyed this. And for everyone listening, 
please check her out at amyfranco.com. And this will all be in the show notes. Um, but also her book is called A Modern Seller. And you can find that in the resources tab on her website and also on Amazon. And she is on LinkedIn and would love to connect with you there. Thanks so much, Amy. And for everyone listening, we'll see you next week. To succeed in business, you need brand awareness, authority, and trust. To get those, you need visibility. Podcasts offer each of these. It's a unicorn platform because it gives you the scarcest resource in digital marketing, attention. Did you know that 80% of podcast audiences listen to the entire episode and more than 50% consider buying from a brand or individual that they discover on a podcast? Building your own show and audience takes years. Grow faster by guest speaking on other podcasts to get more leads, build your SEO and strengthen your brand. To learn how my agency can help, email me at hello at christybilbury.com.